0: We are working with it and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischappell.com slash 10X. There's a quick application there and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you will jump on a call with me and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you, and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapelcom slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon.
1: Hey, folks, this is Ken Coleman from the top-rated Ken Coleman Show. And if you wanna learn how to explode your network, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chapel.
0: Welcome back to the show. Yo, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to another interview on the Build Network podcast. Today, I am bringing Ken Coleman on the show. Ken is the host of The Ken Coleman Show and the top-rated Entree Leadership podcast, which is one of Dave Ramsey's biggest um, shows that's available on iTunes. Um, He's also the author of One Question, Life-Changing Answers from Today's Leading Voices. Ken is an acclaimed interviewer and broadcaster himself. He has his podcast, but his podcast, his show, The Ken Coleman Show, is actually a show on Sirius XM Radio, that is repurposed and put onto the podcasting platform just so that you, the listener, can tune in whenever you would like to. So if Ken has a silky smooth broadcaster's voice, then you know why. Today, we talk about how to build valuable relationships with people. We talk about how to shape your environment even if you don't think that you can. And we talk about how to instantly improve your resume with a quick little hack that Ken talks about really frequently. So I'm really looking forward to sharing all of this awesome content with you guys. But first, before we get into that, as most of you know, my network has exploded in the last year and a half. When people ask me how I've been able to do it, the number one answer that I give is my podcast. If I did not start this show, there is no chance I would know as many awesome people as I do now. It's the perfect credibility vehicle and a value-adding excuse to connect with the people you want to connect with the most. Look, I highly recommend starting a show, but if you do it, do it the right way. Last I heard, 90% of podcasters never make it past episode seven. So if you want to be on the right side of that statistic, do what I did. Hire a coach that's been there and done that and can walk you through the process. And yes, this is something that I do. In the last few months, I've helped a few people get their shows off the ground, and I'd love to do the same for you. If any of this resonates with you at all, then head over to buildyournetworkco coaching to apply. I only accept a couple people at a time because I don't want anyone to get lost in this huge process and I will only be helping 10 people total before I shut this whole thing down. It's very valuable and really, really time intensive so I can't do it forever. So be sure to apply over at buildyournetwork.co slash coaching and we will chat soon. And now here's my chat with Ken Coleman. Ken, welcome to the show, man. What's happening?
1: Well, Travis, you're happening and I'm thrilled to be with you. Appreciate uh, your audience and your show and looking forward to our conversation.
0: Yeah, of course. Of course, man. Before we hit that record button, talking a little bit about some of the stuff that you've been up to, and I think that we're going to have a fantastic conversation really getting into this kind of stuff. It seems like we share a lot of uh, similar ideas about how to go about this whole networking thing. But before we jump into that conversation, I want to kind of build some context and talk about what it was like like growing up as Ken Coleman?
1: Yeah, you know, a very loving environment, two-parent home and was challenged to give my best in everything. That was a constant theme. And uh, the other constant theme was one of uh, learning primarily from history. My father is a, is a uh, big-time history nut and I developed that love of history because of his influence on me. So I had a context for great men and women early on in my life and and honestly growing up that really did shape me. So beyond the support and love, the challenge to give everything you got and then to uh, learn from and appreciate uh, great men and women who did significant things with their lives. I would say that was the environment, you know, the way you asked that question. I've never been asked it that way, but that's really the environment that was surrounding me. I just kind of developed and grew in that kind of environment. And I I look back on that with you know, great appreciation. And uh, where was that? Where did you grow up? The Hampton Roads area of Virginia. So that would be the Virginia Beach, Chesapeake, Norfolk, Newport News, Hampton area. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. On the coast, Southeast coast.
0: When you were growing up, was there a pressure for you to take a certain career path? Did you follow that pressure? Was it... Like what you're doing right now, was that kind of what you always wanted to do? Like talk me through some of those thought processes.
1: Yeah, well, the first part of the question is, no, I did not have a pressure to pursue a certain path, but there was pressure, certainly pressure, to be who I was supposed to be. There certainly was that you were called, well, you were created, and then you were also called to do something. And you need to figure out what that is. And to do that something well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Sounds
0: like your parents did a pretty good job.
1: I did feel that pressure. No question about it. And what's (laughs) interesting about that, you know, if I'm being transparent, I don't know if that pressure was from my parents fully. Meaning, if I had to guess and I don't have time to truly reflect. In fact, this is something I want to reflect on this weekend, actually. (laughs) I think it was 50-50. I certainly believe my parents gave me the seed for that. But I think that I took it, you know, as kids, right? There are some things we get from our parents that they throw it at us and we go, oh, okay, I received that. And then there's some stuff we kind of reject. Yeah.
0: hundred percent, man. I yeah. think
1: that I received it. Yeah. And then I think I I really went nuts with it.
0: Yeah. That's, uh, you know, I've been having this conversation with a few people recently, and this is not at all what I was planning on talking about, but I think it's a good direction to take this is um, how much your environment shapes you and how much that plays into your success in the future because i've i've had this conversation with people like yourself that come from a really strong family background that parents try to give them as much as they can And they end up going on to do great things like you've done and and be really successful people. And then I've also had this conversation with people who maybe immigrated to the US when they were two or three years old and they were dumpster diving for dinner and you know what I mean? Like different things like that. And I've also had this conversation with people who didn't have a dad or, or whatever. And it's funny to me because I don't really see a common denominator with any of those people except for that person themselves made a decision to like be successful and go for it. It was like, whatever your background is, there's pressure or uh, suggestions of what you should be doing to achieve success. But really the people who actually go out and get it, like it doesn't really matter what they grew or how they grew up or what their environment was or what their teachers told them. They they just go forward and do it anyway. Have you found that to be true? Have you found maybe sort of a link between those
1: different types of successful people? This is a three-hour conversation. You could turn this into a podcast. (laughs) I think it's that important of a conversation. And I'm really enthralled that you brought it up. I've never been asked this question before, but as you were laying it out, I was thinking through it. So here's what I'm going to say to this. And I mean, this is when I say it's a three hour conversation. I mean, it's a three hour conversation. I believe that environment is the most important thing in a human being's development. So I want to say that. So that's one statement. So that is true. However, what you're saying about successful people having a wide variety of environments growing up does also say over here that it is not the only indicator of your success. Right. So, you know, you got to kind of juxtapose those two statements. Environment is wildly important. I mean, it really is to the whole being of a human being and to the development of a human being. However, you don't have to have this incredibly two-parent supportive healthy, you know, environment that I had to succeed. You don't have to have that. I think what you said is really important to understand. And I think to answer your question, the one thing I see with all successful people that have in common is they decided to pursue being who they are. Yeah. At some point they decided. So for instance, my brother is very successful as well. He's a great golf coach, college golf coach, but you and I both know, and our listeners know people who came from a great environment, had a great home environment, lived in America, great environment, wealthiest country in the world, most opportunity in all the world in America. Then they had a great family, great community. Maybe they grew up in a middle class, upper middle class, whatever. And one kid came out of that home and did great. And one kid's a complete dumpster fire.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: So that proves the point that I want to put this out there because I do believe that environment matters. And for those people that are listening to have kids, environment does matter. Don't write off all the love and support and the discipline. They feel like it's not working. I mean, I got a middle schooler right now. There are some days where I don't even recognize the kid. It's like an alien has inhabited his body. I mean, we had a situation two nights ago where I just sat down with him knee to knee and I said, buddy, what's happening? What's going on? Yeah. And, you know, I'm not going to get into the situation, but it was just, a, it was one of the moments like, we got to have a chat because right. <laughs> this is not acceptable behavior. And I feel like I've taught you differently and you're acting as though I've taught you nothing. So there's moments like that as a parent where you go, what is happening here? You know, like complete abject failure. So here's my point environment does matter. Don't underestimate it. Don't look down your nose at it. However, those of us who have been in the best of environments still have to decide, I'm going to do something with this.
0: Right, yeah, that's a hundred percent where I was kind of going with that conversation. And how important do you think it is as an adult to cultivate your own environment? Because it's something. And before you answer that, let me kind of give a little bit of a context to that question. Something that I've been trying to teach a lot on, because I think that as adults, we come up with so many excuses and reasons and complaints about why we can't change our situation, even though we may be unhappy with the situation. And I think it's mainly just a ton of lies that we're telling ourselves because it would be difficult to do it and it would be uncomfortable to do it and it would be risky to do it. So we just don't do it. But then we stay in that horrible environment and then get upset about our lack of success and get upset about, you know, how we are just not pushed and we just don't have the same opportunities that the other people have. And then find every excuse and reason in the book why we're not successful when you probably had the control in your hand the whole time. And it could have just been as simple as like moving to a different city where you're not around the same influences that you were around. So with that context for that question, can you kind of talk into that for a second? This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis.
1: Terms and conditions apply. If you need a hire, you need Indeed. Yeah, I'm just going to jump on what you just said because what you said is absolutely right. If you show me somebody who says, Ken, I'm not getting any opportunities. I just can't catch a break. I'm going to look at them and I'm going to say without knowing anything about them, you're not in the right place. You're not in the right place mentally you're not in the right place emotionally, you're not in the right place financially, you're not in the right place physically, meaning you're not in the right city or the right area. I'm writing a book right now called The Proximity Principle, which talks about that. In order to do what I want to do, I've got to be around people that are doing it and in places where it is happening. So if you tell me you're not getting any opportunities or you can't catch a break, I'm going to tell you you're not in the right place. And all those places come together. I'm not in the right place mentally. Let me just run through those real quick because it's what you're talking about. Environment. Let's look at environment holistically right now as a human. So when I talk about you're not in the right place, that would be environment. So I'm not in the right place mentally. I'm damaged goods. I'm dealing with limiting beliefs of fear or pride or insecurity, doubt. Maybe some mental, verbal abuses affected me or sexual abuses affected me mentally and emotionally. So I'm not in the right place mentally. I'm not in the right place emotionally. I'm not in the right place financially. You know, Travis, I have people call me every day on my show that say, Ken, I know where I want to go. How do I get there? And I start asking them questions and we find out that they're not ready to get there yet because they got $90,000 in debt and they need to go to a school for counseling. Well, that's going to cost them another 30. So what could take them three or four years to do if they didn't have debt Is going to take them seven to eight years. They can still do it, but it's going to take time. So I'm not in the right place financially. So just running through all those things, you know, if somebody says, oh, Ken, I I can't catch an opportunity. Again, I'm going to say, let's look at where you are because I can tell you you're not in the right place. When you are in the right place, okay, when you are in proximity to the right people and in proximity to the right places, you're at a train station of opportunity. I'm just telling you, your biggest challenge when you're in proximity is not opportunity. It's making sure you say no to the good and yes to the best. Well, that's another conversation. So I think you're absolutely right. 100% agree with you.
0: Yeah, there's always something you can do is the point, right? So I, I host a mastermind. And in that mastermind, I have several people who maybe it wouldn't be as easy for them to move maybe to a different city or something like that. Maybe they like they started their entrepreneurial journey or their self-development journey after they were already established, had their family in a certain place. And for them they just believe that they should stay there while they raise their kids. and Whatever, I'm not gonna tell you how to do all that kind of stuff. I do think that you should entertain that if you need to, but I also think that there's other ways to do it. So I'll have people that join my mastermind because they wanna just be in a culture of a bunch of other productive people on a similar journey with a similar mindset to where they are, but maybe they just can't move to San Diego, California where like all this entrepreneurship and online marketing stuff happens and they can't move to New York or Chicago because they grew their family in middle of nowhere Arkansas and that's kind of where like everything that they have set up currently is and that's totally fine but what i'm saying is like there's always ways to change your environment if you can't physically move or if you don't want to physically move because you always can i had people tell me that recently too like well i can't move because my kid's school is here and blah, blah blah is here and my family's here and it's just like okay but you could You could physically move. Like, if you, there's nothing that could prevent you from doing that. But if you don't want to, that's a totally different thing. If you don't want to move, fine. But put yourself in a different environment by shaping the relationships that you have. Pay money to join a mastermind that puts you in a different environment. Like, your environment is 100% what shapes you, but you are what shapes your environment. And people kind of let that play off by itself and leave it up to chance. And and uh, I think that it's something to take more control of, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. There's always a step you can take. I created the law of the zip code uh, recently, driving in the car and the law of the zip code says that everything I need to get started is already around me. And I think sometimes people think, oh, I got to move to Los Angeles to get involved in film production. Well, that's a bunch of garbage. Everything you need to get started on your future is already around you on some level. So to your point, start where you are. But people get locked up, think, oh, I got to move. I got to move my kids. I got to get a new job. I got to find a new house. And so that paralyzes them. And uh, I'm just telling you, the law of the zip code works. Momentum comes from starting where we're at. Exactly. Yeah. And then doing it a lot
0: <laughs> success loves speed that's really exactly what i did was i started the podcast in lancaster california which is like a small town that nobody knows about that's an hour and a half north of los angeles and um nothing happens there no big events nobody knows about it nobody knew where i was from like none of that stuff did that for you know 6 7 months and then after that i moved out here to vegas because i took action and I figured out it was something that I wanted to do and that probably to do it really well and to be better at it, I just wanted to be in a more central area where a lot of stuff happened, where events happened, conferences happened. I could meet up with people on a weekend because they're in town for a business trip. Like That was my decision because I started something where I was. And then it took me to actually physically relocating to another place because
1: that's where I saw the next opportunity being. Yeah, I mean, it absolutely works. You are embodying that.
0: So let's go ahead and talk a little bit about a couple of things that you're working on right now, Ken. Because I know you are you're all over the place. You're on some on the podcasting platform, obviously. You're also on SiriusXM Radio, and uh, wrote a book already. Writing another book coming up. So, kind of talk us through. How you got started with Entre Leadership because I know that's the bigger the show name that everybody kind of knows about that's always on the top charts and has a huge listenership, and then how that kind of transformed into the other things that you're working on.
1: Yeah, well, uh, I work with Dave Ramsey, who uh, is a, a Hall of Fame radio broadcaster, the largest independent syndicated radio show in the country. Meaning, he meaning he owns his own deal here, and Dave and I have known each other for probably about twelve years. The short answer is he asked me to come join the team about four and a half years ago. And one of the things he wanted me to do was to take over the Entree Leadership podcast, which uh, was already a very successful program. And uh, we've been able to grow it. And in short, it is a conversational program uh, where I'm sitting down with some of the brightest men and women in the country from all walks of life, but they're all leaders and thought leaders. And so we just have a conversation. And we uh, put one out every Monday. And uh, as you said, that's one of the top business podcasts on Apple Podcasts. So a lot of fun there. And then as I was doing that, plus emceeing our live events and doing some other things uh, on the Dave Ramsey video channel, I started guest hosting Dave's show. He continued to believe in me, give me more opportunity, knowing that my passion was to help people discover why they're put on this planet. Uh, I am wildly passionate about help helping people be who they're supposed to be. And primarily through the form of work, the average person in their lifetime, spends 90,000 plus hours at work. So the idea of spending a lifetime working at something that doesn't bring you joy makes my heart ache on behalf of others. Yeah, it depresses me, yeah, for yeah. sure. so a year ago, we launched the Ken Coleman Show, which is a caller-driven show. So it's, uh, there's a lot of great career podcasts like yours. Um, this is a caller-driven show where folks are calling in. Uh, it's a radio show. We put it out in podcast form. But we're just helping people every day. They, they need that counselor, that bartender, that coach. And we have a simple construct. The entire uh, philosophy and methodology is summed up in this sentence. Everybody was created with unique talents, things they do well, and unique passions, things they love to do. So the formula to figuring out what it is you're supposed to do or who you are is to look at what you do best, your top talents, and what you love to do most, your top passions. And we use what we do best talent to perform what we love to do most. That's passion. That's the secret to significance. That's the secret to meaning in your work and meaning in your life. And uh, there's a, a Hungarian psychologist who did research on this for 30 years and he's called it flow. It's on, you can look up Ted talk on flow because nobody can spell his name. It's sent Mihai, and I've practiced that many, many times to be able to say it that fast. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it's scientifically proven that, that that this state of ecstasy, which normally has a, a provocative uh, sexual use, but this is a mental ecstasy is what we're talking about. That's really what this comes from, is that I I'm walking through my day, I'm putting my head on the pillow at night, and I am in a state of ecstasy because I am doing work that matters much to me. And so that's the philosophy and methodology all wrapped up. That's what we do. That's what we teach. So uh, that's what we're doing now. Uh, the new book is The Proximity Principle. Talked about that earlier. That's coming out next May. And then we uh, wrote the book, One Question, Life-Changing Answers to Today's Leading uh, from Today's Leading Voices back in 2013. That was a fun book. Uh, that book continues to do well. It's going to be relevant 50 years from now because I essentially went through and wrote down What I thought were the biggest questions in life and then was able to go get folks like Jim Collins and Malcolm Gladwell and Seth Godin and Dave Ramsey and President Jimmy Carter and Tony Robbins and the list can go on and on and on and on. And I I matched up people with the question, people that had the experience and the expertise to answer the question. And so that's like a masterclass in life. And that's a fun little book from Simon & Schuster. But, you know, again... Folks can connect with us about all that stuff at kencolman.com.
0: Kencolman.com. So, for all things Ken Coleman, head over to kencolman.com. Um, your show is also on, Sir- is, is on Sirius XM. What channel is that? And what time do you guys
1: do? Yeah, 121. And we're on it 2 Eastern, Monday through Friday.
0: 2 o'clock Eastern, Monday through Friday on channel 121 on
1: Sirius XM. Uh, you take callers on that show. That's right. Uh, we take callers. It's a live show. And then, of course, folks can get the podcast of the show. Every day as well. It comes out in the afternoon. We just take the radio show and we put it out via podcast.
0: Perfect, perfect. So if you would like to be a caller on that show, check it out live on SiriusXM channel 121, Monday through Friday.
1: Yeah, the website's got the phone number as well if people want to call in.
0: Oh, perfect, perfect. So kencoleman.com. Ken, you got uh, so much stuff going on. How do you balance it all, man? Like you got you got the family, you got the kids, you got the books, the podcast, the coaching, like everything that you do, what do you do to stay sane?
1: Well, I you know, I love my work and I love it so much that it's very easy to stay sane with everything going on. You know, I think it's a good question, but I think that people begin to lose grip on stuff when, when things are constantly in a state of anxiety and stress. But I think when you love your work and you're actually really good at it and you're in this zone, this flow that Mihai Csikszentmihalyi talks about in the TED Talk, State of flow. When I'm in the office, I'm in an optimum situation. I'm blessed to have an amazing team. Mackenzie sitting two feet away from me handles publicity, and then Kelly handles marketing, and 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 Era handles writing projects with me, and then uh, Catherine handles social media. You've got a great, talented team, and you're collaborating. Uh, Madison, you know, and Joe produce the show, and so whatever pocket I'm in during the day, I'm working with really great people who are great at their job. And what we're doing matters deeply to me personally. Like it like this conversation, I'm having the time of my life because we're talking about something that matters to me and I know matters to others and it's going to help them. So I'm having a blast. And so then after this, I'll run into another meeting with my marketer and we're going to talk about marketing stuff. And, and what we're marketing is stuff that I know matters to me and matters to others. So when the day's done, I'm done. And I know that, you know, we're doing things, we're making things happen. And tomorrow there's going to be plenty to do. But I go home and then I'm around people that I love even more than those people I just told you. Because I do love the people I work with. But it's really easy to stay sane because I'm, I'm segmented. So that's what I do. And then any spare time I have outside of my family is around really good friends. And Mackenzie's sitting right over here, and she just said, "Mm mm-hmm, because she actually knows some of my closest friends. She knows them. And they're good people who lift me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you were talking about earlier, they're starting the conversation about environment. Who you hang out with is so wildly important. And so you're shaking your head because you know you know, my best friend. This guy's a rock star. He's I look up to him. So, you know, and then, you know, I get to spend time with Dave. Like Dave Ramsey's an icon. He's a legend. The guy's got more success in his pinky finger than I may ever scratch. We're going to fly together tomorrow afternoon. I'm going to be with him on a plane for three hours. That is like bonus time. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, right, right. So I think if you're on purpose is my point, I don't think you'll reach a place of insanity. I think you can stay very safe. In fact, my life's pretty boring. It's fun. I, what I get to do is fun and I know I'm blessed. But I mean, at the end of the day, I'm either at work or with my family. And when I'm not with them, I'm with one or two friends. And then outside of that, I like—I don't go out much. I got three kids. So we never go out on the week, the weeknights. And then in nights, it's a date with Stacey and maybe every once in a while at dinner really bored. I'm bored. <laughs> like I'm not with my life, but like, I'm sorry, I'm boring. Did I say bored?
0: <laughs> yeah, bored. Sorry. Yeah. no. I just told all those people, you mean like, boring. Yeah. Sorry. yeah.
1: I love my life. But I was just looking at McKinsey who's single and 26. And I'm thinking I'm pretty boring now that I'm actually describing my life. But my point <laughs> is I'm as fulfilled as I could possibly. But you have
0: be. a blast. Yeah.
1: And I think awesome. it should go out to Nashville a little bit more. It just occurred to me I should probably do some things like out, but my life is pretty fantastic.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's designed by you. It's a life by design. and yeah, that's Yeah, really it's, it's
1: very thing. meaningful. It's not, it's not very exciting, but it sure is meaningful. I'll say that. Yeah, we, we've
0: touched on this a bit, man, throughout the conversation just because it's something that you and I both talk about a lot. But I got to ask this question directly about the networking topic because it's one that I ask every single guest that comes on the show. Is who you know or what you know more important and why?
1: Who you know is is number one on importance, but what you know is (laughs) 1A. So what I mean by that is who you know is always going to be more important initially. So think of career opportunity. Who you know is always more important. However, once who you know gets you where you want to go, it better quickly become about what you know. That's how I would say that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. Yeah. You have to be competent.
1: Right. Well, that's right. Who you know will get you in. What you know and what you do will keep you there and allow you to, to then get to know some more who's. You know, the, the proximity principle, which we, we talked about in the book, we talk about that no matter how successful you are, it's always going to be about right people, right places. And so, okay, I know the right people and they help me get in the right place. And then the third section of the book is practices. So, people, places, and practices. So when I get where I want to go because of who, I better make the most of that opportunity and kill it and do a great job. That's the practices part. And then that's going to give me the opportunity to move up the ladder. But I will say, let's just be really honest and stop making it a bad thing. Who you know matters way more initially yeah
0: totally that, couldn't have said it better man i always always liken it to having a friend in line at like an amusement park right like you go to ride the next ride and you go to get a drink or something, and your buddy goes and stands in line and then you come back to the line you don't just stand in the back of the line you go up to where your buddy is right he calls you up there hey Ken, come up here i'm I'm standing up here right so then what you get to do is you get to walk past all the people that He was like where he was standing like so the reason I liken it to this specifically is because you still have to walk those steps Meaning you still have to gain the knowledge. You still have to learn the skill You still have to capitalize on the opportunity But now you're just doing it way faster and you're zooming past all the people that are waiting their turn in line Because they're focused so much on knowledge and competence That they don't spend any time getting to know the people that are already walked those steps in front of them and um, I think that it's really The reason that the show exists is just to highlight that like, look, if you don't spend any time getting to know people, you should be doing that first and then worry about the competence. I really think the number one skill that you can create is probably the skill of learning new skills quickly. Because in any situation that I get put myself into, because of the people that I know, I can adapt and really quickly figure something out because I mastered that one skill, which has allowed me to master a bunch of other skills. Like while You get into those opportunities that who you know brings to you. I know that you have a free resource on this about flipping your resume. Can you talk about that for a second?
1: Yeah, we created a different type of resume template. If you search resume templates, you'll see 8 billion on Google, and they're largely knockoffs of each other. But I did some research, and it's based on this simple reality the average hiring manager is spending somewhere, there's multiple studies on this, where they're spending six seconds. Just count that out in your head. One, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000, four, 1,000, five, 1,000, six, 1,000, six seconds to a maximum of 60 seconds scanning your resume. Now you just tell me, what does that resume need to look like to get their attention? And it better not look like everybody else's. So me and the team huddled together, Travis, we said, well, so what really matters? So I did the research on that. And overwhelmingly hiring managers, HR executives say, what matters is do you have some type of relationship that's going to get you out of the pile, the stack of resumes that are being submitted? And it's about if they know somebody that knows you, they feel better. Okay, I know McKinsey, and McKinsey says, this guy is a sharp guy, great attitude. He's got some talent. I think he might be a great culture fit. If McKenzie says that to me about somebody, do you think that's not going to move him out of the pile? It's going to move him right to the first position. Well, McKinsey says this guy's good and I trust McKinsey, So I'm I'm, I'm going to give this guy a shot. That's the game. So if that's true and you're saying yes, and I think everybody else is going, yeah, that makes total sense. We said, all right, then the resume ought to lead with who I know. So we created a template that says who I know at the top, right? And then what I've done, because that's all hiring managers want to know. They want to know, are you credible? Are you a legit nice person who's actually talented? Okay, nice. Somebody thinks you're great. And then they want to know, can you help me win? So what experience to you bring to the table? So I'm not gonna take the time to walk through the whole thing. It's free at KenColeman.com. So we walk you through, it's about an 18, 19 page PDF, super easy to read. And at the very end is the actual template. We show you how to do your resume. So you're essentially flipping the resume because every other resume template in the history of the world has got uh, references at the bottom. And sometimes on page two, our entire resume, Travis, is on one page. Why? I just described why six seconds. They're going to scan it. It needs to be like a brochure and it needs to stand out so that they actually stop what they're doing and they look at it. And if you lead with who I know, and by the way, this is a person that you know through somebody else, maybe it's a direct one-to-one connection, maybe it's one to seven, but I know Fred and this is how I know Fred. And then you get Fred, if Fred's willing to give you some type of nice endorsement statement, that's the ideal resume. You can you imagine a hiring manager seeing that right out of the gate?
0: Yeah. He's like, Oh, I just had coffee with Fred in the break room last week. So obviously, I trust him. You know, it's always funny because I see people put these references down and it'll be like, Oh, this is my buddy Dave. You know, it's like you can't exactly. just put somebody my high school
1: wrestling man. coach. <laughs> like, and
0: now he sleeps on the couch in his mom's house. Right. Like, yeah, he, he says I'm a man. good
1: guy. So hiring and, managers aren't going to call you a wrestling coach. Yeah. <laughs> They're just not going to do it. But again, here's why it's great. This is a great, I walk through each section of the resume. And so we teach on it real quick, show you what we're telling you to do, why you do it. And then the, at the very end, you get a template that tells you how to do it. And by the way, Travis, we're getting tons of emails from listeners who've downloaded it for free at KenColin.com, and it's working. And the reason it's working is because we're, we're giving hiring managers what they want and we're actually helping you stand out when you submit a
0: resume. Love that, man. It only makes sense. I, I, I read a statistic one time. I think it was between 60 and 70%. Don't quote me on that. I'm not 100% sure. But I think it was between 60 and 70% of jobs are gotten through some sort of a referral. You'd have to double check my... my mm-hmm. you know, that's right.
1: That, but, yeah, uh, that's that's like absolutely that. right. And there was a sociologist who did a study back in the 80s that most jobs are actually gotten through an acquaintance, not a close personal connection. So let's say close personal connection would be... I did October hear that, yeah. Or my friend. Well, we're talking like, you know, you got a kid who's on a soccer team. He's nine years old. You see the same set of parents every week for about 10 weeks a year. You start meeting those people on the bleachers at practice or games, start talking. It's one of those people who's most likely going to help you get a job down the line. Yeah,
0: the second degree people. The That's people. Right. Like if you draw out three circles, so if you're listening to this, just imagine with me for a second, three circles and um, the first circle would be like your inner inner circle of like your very close direct family. And then your second circle is kind of where your friends and maybe some other family would be. This is like your third circle, like he's saying, people that you see sometimes, maybe you high five at the gym after you play tennis or something like that. But getting to know those people, that's where a lot of those jobs come from. That's, that's very, very interesting how that's all played out. Again, I know that, I mean, me and you could, sounds like have a lot in common. We can talk about this kind of stuff for quite some time, but we do need to wrap things up, move on to something I like to call the random round. Just a few really quick random questions with some quick random answers. You ready?
1: All right, let's do it.
0: What profession other than your own do you think it would be fun to attempt? College basketball coach. If you could sit on a park bench with someone, past or present, and talk to them for an hour, who would it be and why?
1: It would have to be Thomas Jefferson, and I would want to talk to him about how much pressure he felt. Did he have writer's block with the Declaration of Independence? Did he know how big of a deal it was at the time? The guy was around for a whole lot of important stuff. I think that would be the the gist of the conversation.
0: How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, or videos?
1: Books number one, podcasts number two, and then documentaries would be three.
0: What is a book that you would recommend?
1: Oh boy, oh boy. This is a networking program. So I'm going to give you the best networking book I ever read and I got it as a graduation gift. It's called Dig Your Well Before You're Thirsty by Harvey McKay. It's the Bible of networking books. It's a great, easy read. That's the one I'd recommend for this audience.
0: Perfect, perfect. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine.
1: I get up, and I'm the first one up, and the uh, first thing I do is my coffee is pre-made, which is a blessing. I pour a cup of coffee. Three sips in, I'm to the dog crate, and I let my two doodles out, a labradoodle and a golden doodle. I sip more coffee while I watch them run around and do their business. I let them in, and then I have my quiet time, which is some Bible reading and prayer. By that time, my wife is up, and we'll just have some quiet conversation until we got to get the oldest up. So that's my morning routine. It's very exciting. Like I said earlier, I have a (laughs) simple life.
0: What is your go to pump up song?
1: Oh my gosh. Again, this is very situational. Since I don't play sports anymore, I would have to put the ACDC up. (laughs) The song that fills my soul, I listen to it before the show many days, sometimes driving into work, is This Is Me by Kiala Settle. She played the bearded woman in um the greatest showman, and that song really represents my audience. I think it represents all of us it it fires me up yeah that's not that whole soundtrack is really great oh incredible
0: what is something that you are not very good at?
1: I am not good at details at all uh little details i I tend to forget and overlook that's what I'm awful at
0: yeah i've very much have that same thing in common with you. Although I feel like I say that statement on every single show. So my audience thinks I probably am not good at anything because I'm like, oh, yeah, I vibe with you on that one. And everybody is. Different. But as we get everything wrapped up here, Ken, what is one place online where we will find you the most?
1: Now, what does that mean? Pardon me for asking. Yeah, no, you're
0: fine. Like social media, or is it just your website or email? What's the best way to actually get in touch with Ken Coleman?
1: Oh, well, the website, kencoleman.com. Of course, you can, you know, the emails there, ask at kencolemanshow.com. But I I actually uh, do my own social media. I've got help, but I post on, uh, on Instagram, and then that goes to Facebook. I'm on Twitter nonstop. It's the greatest resource for news. I use it for news, but I do communicate with people. So if they want to tweet me at Ken Coleman on Twitter or they want to reach out on uh, Instagram at Ken Coleman Show, I do respond. I actually like my own stuff that people send and, and uh, I am I'm very engaged on social media with the audience.
0: Perfect. Perfect, love it. So if you want to get in touch with Ken, head over to kencoleman.com. You can find all of the social links, the how to flip your resume uh, guide, the link to EntreLeadership Leadership, to the Ken Coleman Show. Everything that you want to learn about Ken is, can be found over at kencoleman.com. I highly recommend checking that kind of stuff out. This is a guy who has a ton of experience and a ton of things and has a fantastic network of people around him that he spent a lot of time building up. Ken, thank you so much for coming on the show today, man. Had a fantastic time chatting with
1: you. Thank you, man. I'm honored to be with you and I enjoyed it immensely.
0: Well, that's all for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. You might hear my guests and I talk a lot about masterminds on the show. They are literally what I attribute most of the new quality relationships in my life to. So if this is something that you are interested in at all, which it should be, then hit me up and let's chat to see if you would be a good fit for my mastermind, Build Your Network Alpha just shoot an email over to travis at buildyournetwork.co and let's talk about it. Have a fantastic rest of your day and remember to leave every relationship better than you found it.
1: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories,
0: schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done.